0: These two guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyge. Well, you were actually petitioning for us to change that intro to uh, surviving the Tim Connolly era of Timberwolves basketball, <laughs> calling for his head. I'd love
1: wow. to see. Uh, I'd love to see what that guy's thinking right now. Uh, Twenty games into the season, but it's early still. Kind of, maybe not. But, um,
0: well, yeah. this is the, this is the, the 20 game mark is the one that, and by the way, hello, this is, I'm Phil. That is Kyle Sands mustache today.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I said I would keep it for the Vikings and then they got pummeled a couple Sundays ago, but then the wolves were winning. I was like, well, I'll keep this going until the wolves do something dumb. And then Charlotte happened, and I was like, well, maybe I'll keep it until the Twins sign Carlos Correa, and then that didn't happen. So it's just like, all right, no. I have nothing to look forward to, so I'm clean. No.
0: So, well, welcome into Flagrant Howls, your uh, Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, where we just want the Wolves to win 50 one, games. One game this week. Can, 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 you, can you just win another game, actually? Uh, that'd be great. So we'll get into a few of the interesting quotes off of last night's debacle against the Warriors, or yesterday afternoon's debacle. And uh, an interesting comparison or contrast, I guess, to one of the franchises that does have their bleep buttoned up on a regular basis. But we did kind of circle the 20 game mark before the season. Like, let's get, give it 20 games. Let's let's see what this thing looks like after 20 games. Be patient. You know, the 2003-04 team needed 17 games to crawl over 500 at 9 and 8 or whatever it was. Um, so, all right, well, it's been 20 games. Are you, are you ready to bail? Or, where are you at with this thing? Well, it's funny, right? We only recorded once last week
1: because of Thanksgiving. And since then, uh, the Wolves have had what I thought was maybe the best win in the Chris Finch era. I mean, the Indiana Pacers game seems like it was 14 years ago, but it was actually five days. Uh, That was the most complete beatdown. I think they had like 74 points in the paint against Indiana's 38. They just shut them down. Jade McDaniels was awesome defending Tyrese Halliburton. Best game I've seen in years. And then Friday, they had the worst game of the Chris Finch era, right? They just yeah. go into Charlotte, uh, a game that we all were like, this is a trap game. Please, like, hey, this is the trap game. You're going to lose this. And they're like, no, no, no. Well, yeah, okay, we'll lose this. Um, so then that was, and then the Golden State fiasco, which I don't know how much you want to talk about it. I know we're going to go into some quotes. Um, it's not really being apologetic, but like that Friday loss was so bad and hurt so bad because I knew the Sunday game was just an L. They're just not on the Warriors level. That's this could open up a conversation then yeah. about like, well, shouldn't you be, you have all this talent on stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this is just not a mature, the Wolves are not a mature team. So mm-hmm. that's why it's like the Friday loss hurts even more because you could have just punted on Sunday, which they did and been 11 and nine, but yeah, now you're 10 and 10. You're an average 500 basketball team. um you're average kind of in leagues, various statistics, you're like 15th, 16th in the league. So yeah, we said wait till 20 games and at 20 games, they're, still disappointing i mean if you had to give them a grade through the first quarter they're probably like a c c minus i don't know if i'm going to give them a d because i don't know you know again they're two losses away from being the two seed so and i know we're in the playoff standings but yeah so far it's you know we got to 20 games we've seen some good things indiana was great charlotte was terrible and now you're kind of looking at like okay this this Rest of November and December is like this is it. It's this is pretty much figured out, or people are going to either get moved or lose their jobs or be on a hot seat. Come the first of twenty twenty
0: three. Well, yeah, I keep deep sighing because yeah, this team, this, cigarette. this whole this whole season has just been a deep sigh. It's just how would you describe the Timberwolves' first twenty games? And I would say, yeah, that's how I would describe it. And uh, I think I actually think Chris Finch summed up the Wolves identity through 20 games very well Mm -hmm. last night when he said, quote, our identity right now is super inconsistent. Very Jekyll and Hyde. We're not as physical or as tough as I'd like us to be. That's something we have to try and find. And I don't expect them to just be perfect in the first 20 games, you know, you know, Trying to mix in Rudy Gobert and all the pieces that they changed around, so I, I I am still kind of especially that that Pacers win actually gave the Wolves more leeway for me because mm-hmm. we kind of saw the peak like oh that and that that wasn't just a depleted you know bad Pacers team that was a team on a multi-game win streak. Yep, um, you had a couple guys that were popping off in that game too, so you you got you got their good punch. And, uh, and is, it, is it like playing the Warriors or the Suns or something in their arena? No, but that win over the Pacers showed you, oh, this is what this team can look like. Okay, that's what that starting lineup can look like. But then you get these games, these clunkers against Charlotte, where they're, just, they're playing hero ball for two hours. It's low energy. Cat was missing threes. That, that's going to happen sometimes. Uh, dumb, sloppy turnovers. I think this team has such a crazy wide range of what they're capable of on a nightly basis, and they need to tighten that up. But to Finch's point, I don't think they really know who they are. Like, they don't know what th- I bring the Suns up all the time because in, in pretty much any Chris Paul team is like this late in a game, you know exactly what you're doing if you're the Suns. Chris Paul mid range shots yeah. off curls at the elbow, Devin Booker doing Devin Booker things. And then everyone else knows their role. Like the warriors are the same way. They're gonna run Steph Curry off screens, and Draymond's gonna be point forward guy, and they just know who they are. And I feel like whether it's this iteration of the wolves or pretty much any other Carl Anthony Towns team, you know, that we've seen the last few years, they don't really know who they are. They find it some nights. But like I guess my question to you is what are the wolves great at? What are the what is their thing? that they can hang their hat on. I mean, pissing us off. I don't like, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I mean, they got to find it. They have to find it. Sh- it should be like rebounding and shot blocking. That's right. why you got Rudy Gobert. You have two seven footers.
1: Right, why I isn't mean,
0: it though? Why isn't it those things? You know, and I,
1: if, and if you know, I know it's because when you lose games, we talked about this before. I said, November was Chris Finch month. And they're I think six and seven no- so far in November. So not great, but I'm just going to ride with Chris Finch until the end, because you, if you know, him. You can start to hear it a little bit in these like press conferences and stuff. Like he he is about as mad as you or I are, right? Or as disappointed. Yeah. I, I think he has a lot of. Not want to say Phil Jackson, but he does have a lot of. He's a player's coach. He wants to you know let these guys kind of figure it out. And maybe that's like the next twenty games. Is that maybe Chris Finch just is like I actually can't trust any of you guys because to what Phil just said, like you guys don't have an identity. So I'm gonna have to create one for you. Like they don't. He's given them a long leash and like, yeah, who you just said it. If, if the Suns are in a late game execution, it's going to be dev or Chris Paul pick and roll. And if it's, he's out, which he has been for a while, it's Devin Booker. And then Mm -hmm. everyone just kind of, you know, cuts and spaces and all that stuff. Same with the Warriors team. Like yesterday you saw it. Draymond green was just jacked up and it was curry and clay running around all these screens. What are the wolves? Like, what is their late game action? We know what it is. It's just ISO ball and it's terrible. And that's why you lose games. But yeah, it's Anthony it is- Edwards
0: taking 30 footers with a hand in his face, which works more often than it should, quite right, frankly. Yeah, and <laughs> it's,
1: but it, it goes back to, I know we're on week 42 now of leadership power rankings, but I don't, I, I, I'm i at 10 and 10. Again, we can maybe get into the standings a little bit, but they are literally like two weird games away from being the two seed. Um, and if you look at the NBA standings, like there's about 11 teams in the West now that it it's going to be like 11 teams fighting for 10. So I'm still very much convinced the wolves will be in the playoff picture. Um, but their inability to have a hierarchy of like who, when things go wrong, I mean, this is kind of crazy, but Jane McDaniels didn't play yesterday and they were abysmal. Jane McDaniels might be like the most important player on this team because he's the only one that actually can guard on the perimeter. 48 hours, 48 minutes in a game. And mm-hmm. not doing it. Deal not doing it. Carl's not doing it. Um, and he also brings like a level of like toughness a little bit. I know they were kind of comical plays, but like when he had that back and forth with Westbrook where like they threw the ball at each other, like dodgeball, yeah. <laughs> at least he was like, Hey, I give a damn. And like, you're not going to punk me. The Warriors. I mean, the first play of the game yesterday was Rudy Gobert losing the tip to Kavon Looney, who's six, nine. And then they ran a back pick and they threw a lob to Wiggins who dunked on Gobert. Like mm-hmm. that was set up. So this team just, like, to your point, they don't have an identity. They don't really have a leader that when, again, the, I always use the earthquake example. Like, when it starts shaking, who is going to be like, okay, everyone surround me, I got this. Um, And it just, it's just, it these trap games. It's these games at home. They're, this team should never play at home again. I don't know if they're super spooked by the booing or whatever that we talked about last week, but luckily I think they have 15 games in December and nine of them are on... Yeah, I think nine of them are on the road. Like, maybe that's what they need is just get away from home because they tend to play a little better on the road. But it's, it's embarrassing. It's frustrating. And, yeah, 10 and 10 is okay, but it's not great. But if you're 20 and 20 after 40 games, that's going to be a pretty big disaster.
0: What, let's go to Gobert for a second. And there's, there's, some, there's also some great, interesting quotes that came out. Austin Rivers had a, had a doozy. fantastic. And he's going to play more, especially yep. with yep. with Jordan McLaughlin out and and Jade McDaniel's. Like, there's just there's rotation spots up for grabs, and they just need perimeter defense right now. Um, but Rudy Gobert, so first of all, on the stat sheet, his blocks are way down this year. Yep, it's the it's by far the lowest blocks per game of his NBA career. He's averaging a block and a half per game for his career. He's he's basically down like a full block per game which may not seem like that much, but it is. I mean, it's like an extra yeah. thing yep. thing or two per game. Um, when you watch him, it oftentimes feels like he's in the right spot, but just not making the play. How many times yep. do you see him yep. doing his Rudy Gobert thing near the rim and a guard or a smaller forward will come in to his house and you think, uh-oh. Uh-oh, an intruder just came into Rudy Gobert's house in the paint, and now he's going to pay for it. And mm-hmm. then the smaller forward or the guard will just go up for a, a mildly contested layup and get two points and go back the other way. It's like, why did he not alter or block that shot? It feels yep. like, first of all, his blocks are down. But second of all, I would guess and venture to say if, if I had, uh, I, I think there's got to be somewhere like on NBA.com that tracks this. But I think his shot alterations are down as well. Um, I don't think he's been a disaster, but it just feels like, I don't know, he kind of feels like a zombie out there sometimes when I'm watching him. I don't feel like we're getting the full Rudy Gobert experience that we uh, we paid for here.
1: Yeah, and our our friend, the great John Krasinski, had a really good article after the game and had a lot of stats, and it referenced some of those things, his blocks being down, um, in terms of, like, not so much rim deterioration, but just I think still when Rudy's on the court, opponents have, like, an offensive rating that's, like, 26th in the league, and when he's off the court, their you know, opponents have like a fifth best offensive rating. So he's still like. Making, His impact like, is still okay. That's good. It's still, That's good. Yeah. But, um, but I'm with you. I just like, again, let's go back into, you know, fanalytics and just the eye test when he, he just, he, you're right. He's in the right place still. And I've been kind of saying this since like I was in Vegas, watching them in preseason. I don't know if he's physically just got a little something that he's not right. But he just doesn't go for like these all out blocks, like all out rim, you know, rim protection. And I don't know if that's because he's physically just not right there or mentally. He's like, well, if I jump and I try to block this, I'm going to give myself up to not be in position to get the rebound. And I know that no one else on my team is going to grab the rebound. So I don't know if he's overthinking it. But, yeah, there's been a lot of times where it's just like you've already rotated pretty well just jump, like just go swat that. So I don't dude, know. This what... is
0: like the Mike Miller when they traded for Mike Miller oh 15 God. years ago. <laughs> and, and, hump, yeah. and Mike Miller just like, didn't take open threes. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Like for the whole year, Mike Miller would just be wide open for they, they literally traded for one of the best three point shooters in the league. And he just inexplicably stopped shooting threes. It's like, dude, wh- wh- you're here to shoot threes. What are you doing? And he would just like dribble into the paint and then turn the ball over or something. It's like, Rudy, you're here to do three things, block shots, grab rebounds. And I would say put back dunks is Mm -hmm. probably the other thing. Like just put back dunks, blocks and rebounds.
1: And his chemistry with D'Lo, you know, for the most part has been a lot better. They've the the pick and roll in the last five games has looked night and day compared to the first 15 games. Um, But there was all, I mean, dude, there were a couple moments in that warriors game that were pretty viral in terms of Rudy catching the ball like kind of putting his hands out there, like throw me the ball. Well, maybe I can figure this out. Having no idea what to do. There's that image online where it's like Draymond Green is looking down at Rudy Gobert, who is on the ground, and he is laughing at him. Mm. Like that's tough, man. That's like the Carlton Towns trying to back down DeMarcus Cousins meme. Um, Rudy just, you know, it, it's got to be simple for Rudy. It's got to be on the catch. One move. He had, a, he had a move in the first half where he caught a, a pass from D'Lo, spun on Kevon Looney, and then finished. Like that's good. But just throwing him the ball, I mean, Jim P told us this, throwing him the ball with his back to the basket and being like, hey, go get us a bucket is not something he's ever done, and it's not something he's ever going to do. So just throw that plan out the window. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely frustrating. Um, he's just – and, again, I, Chris Finch said it last night. I don't know if you have the exact quote, but they asked him, like, do you think this isn't working?
0: I do. Way to read the quote here? Yeah. Okay. He says, I don't think the cat-go-bear thing is not working. I honestly don't. I think we get a lot of turnovers, maybe, trying to throw the ball to him. I wouldn't say that's stubbornness. I think we're trying to make the right play, but I don't think it's not working. I don't think that's our issue. A lot of double negatives in there. He's basically saying, I'm not saying it's not working, but in, we're still working on things. And
1: there are, you know, there are advanced numbers. There's a lot of defensive rating stuff. Like, again, I do think for the most part, rebounding is still an issue. Turnover, I mean, actually, he only had 14 turnovers against the Warriors. Um, and their highest turnover game was, ironically, what I said was the Pacers' masterpiece. So that's a little noise in the statistics. But, yeah, I I still think, for the most part, Carl and Rudy are working. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, again, like, when they lose Jaden and you already know that you're not going to get, you know, D'Lo had that one defensive moment in Indiana where it's like, wow, that's awesome. Like, maybe you should do this more often. No, nah, he's not going to do it. And just kind of lulls into these games. He's as much of a defensively now you have to complain about him as much until he figures it out as D'Lo because they're just, that's your whole backcourt and they're not giving you any pressure against, you know, and Steph and are a tough one to, to kind of compare it to, but they Mm -hmm. also put Terry Rozier on a, I mean, they gave that guy all-star votes by how he played on Friday. So yeah, I'm with Chris Finch to your, to your point about, and that quote, like, I don't think it's not working. um, And I've seen it make better and better strides but the guard play and just kind of everything around them and their inability to make shots uh, like Carl one for 11 um, against the Hornets. That was, he, I had said this on the on Dane's pod on Saturday, but he, that was his 12th time taking 11 or more threes in his first 11 games. He shot like 43% on 11 attempts. He shot 9% on Friday. So I'm okay. I mean, that loss sucked, but you know, I'll, I'll go to regression a little bit and like, he's, let that dude shoot threes because that's kind of his game. And maybe mm-hmm. that'll stretch the floor a little bit more for Ant. But, yeah, I'm with Finch. I, I think it is working a little more than people want to give it credit to. But there's so many other things that this team is not doing consistently that it just kind of covers up what maybe is a positive.
0: Yeah, and maybe this is a good segue into Austin Rivers' quote last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, so this, uh, this state of the Timberwolves' quote from Austin Rivers presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance <laughs> Company. You know, maybe you're looking to evaluate the state of your business. Maybe there are some choppy waters on the horizon, or maybe you just need a better guiding hand to help you maximize the success of your business. Well, Federated is an official partner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've been around for over 100 years, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. And you can find out more information about how they can help your business at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. So here, this is from our guy, Dane Moore. And uh, he kind of so he said, here's Austin Rivers answer tonight when asked about how the Wolves can add more physicality to their identity. Uh, Dane adds as his own thought here, it does sound like Austin Rivers will be in the rotation now more consistently due to injuries and the need for perimeter defense and physicality. Here's the quote from Austin Rivers. Lead by example, pick up full court. I've got to start talking more, leading more, demanding effort, getting on guys. I'm going to start getting on guys if I see someone not guarding hard or if I see an F up. I'm going to hold guys accountable and ask them to hold me accountable. It breeds guys to be on their toes. When you know that when you bleep up on a veteran team, on that team, Draymond is going to be on you. Marcus Smart is going to be on you. Any good team for that matter, you've got guys on that defense who are holding everyone accountable. And that's what I have to do with these guys, especially these young guys. Tell them to lock it in. We've got guys that get down after missed shots. They'll come back on defense. You just don't have the time to do that in this league. They'll compound their mistakes with more mistakes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it snowballs. So my first thought here is, well, two thoughts. One, great. That's part of the reason why they brought Austin Rivers in. Veteran leader. He's He's a solid, not spectacular player, but he knows how to play basketball, right? Winning basketball. So I like that he is taking this torch. But the, but the second thought I have was, and this is the overriding thought, Kyle, is why does he have to come in here as just like a peripheral free agent signing when you've got three dudes on basically max contracts, Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell being the ones that have led this team, quote unquote, for four years, and Rudy Gobert coming over as an outsider, but a veteran who's 30 years old. Why does Austin Rivers have to be this guy? I'd like him to lead and do all the things, but to me, this is indirectly. He's not taking shots necessarily directly at Towns and Delo and Ants, 21 years old. Hard to expect him to lead this team, but why is Cat not this guy? Why is Delo not this guy? You know, that was like the thing that stood out to me. Oh, Austin Rivers has to be this guy? Really? I...
1: This is kind of a Vikings analogy, but I had the Warriors game it pegged as a loss forever. So I'm not going to put too much into it, even though they got spanked again. Um, they're like, I think this is from Jack Borman on Twitter. They're like one and eight when losing the first quarter and nine and two and winning the first quarter. That's a pretty impressive stat. Basically, if you don't like the Wolves, just watch the first 12 minutes and you'll know if they're going to win or lose. Yeah. So I don't care about that game too much. It's kind of like the Cowboys loss or by the Vikings. Like, I'm just going to throw that one out. I'm not going to watch the tape. I'll move on. But I thought the quotes after the game were really telling. So I'm glad that you brought that one up because it kind of leans into our niche about leadership and power rankings and all that stuff. And I know that Austin Rivers has wanted to say this for weeks, (laughs) Um, but as I said, you can't really lead if you're not playing. The Udonis Haslam thing is different. He doesn't play, but he has built so much up with being on one team that he can be like, yeah, dude, I've been here for 20 years. Austin Rivers has been here for, you know, 18 weeks. But now that he's part of the rotation, like Dane said, he feels a little more like I can speak. And it's what he said is so spot on. And what he said is so refreshing that it does give me hope. And simultaneously, it does. It's like, okay, so now Austin Rivers said it. And then Pat Bev said it this summer about this team not having the toughness or the leadership. And then Jimmy Butler said it. And then other guys have said it, right? Like these people keep coming through this franchise being like, hey, you know, they've had a lot of talent. There's no doubt that they don't have the talent, but, like, they don't seem to have the people ready to, like, you know, take that charge, fall on the sword, like, do the gritty stuff. Um, so I thought it was really eye-opening. I thought Austin mm-hmm. Rivers – and he is going to tell you how it is because he has been – we kind of joked, right? Like, he's going to be this year's Pat Bev. Well, maybe not, but his track record, he's been on successful Clippers teams. He was on a successful Rockets team. He knows what it's like to win. He's been a top-10 pick. Um, and I think it's really eye-opening. Again, he is now pretty much with Torian Prince out for a couple of weeks. He is their toughness. He is, I think, Finch's guy with Jordan McLaughlin. I was like, I just trust you because I know you're going to play hard. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, there's nothing. I mean, did you think anything he said was wrong? Everything no. he said was perfectly right.
0: Yep. And there's so many. This is This is the thing, like. It's so hard with Towns, for instance, because on one hand, he's actually doing—I think he's been doing some really good things on the court. I think his demeanor has been in check largely Same. the last mm-hmm. month or so. Mm-hmm. But he's not a culture setter guy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and even even when he's like kind of going at his best, he's not—he's not Tim Duncan. He's not hold guys accountable. You know, he'll go and he'll do the media thing after games, but. He's not that that's that's why every year these veteran players come in these Pat Beverly's and these Austin Rivers and they look around the room and they're like, well, I know what a, pl- a deep playoff team looks like. Mm-hmm. And uh, this team ain't that. So I guess I'll have to kind of step up and fill that leadership void. Well, OK, if 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 this team with Kat and Delo specifically lacks leadership, then I don't know how you can like reach the heights that you're planning to reach with those guys in the positions that they're in. Mm-hmm. I'm also not advocating to just dump them both. Cause they, I would actually look to dump Delo as soon as possible, because even though he's had some good games more recently, um, I, just, I I don't, I don't think you can have this many guys contributing to a bad basketball culture, making that much money and expect to dig out of it. At some point you have to start extracting and replacing and tinkering. Mm-hmm. And and lo is going to be the sacrificial lamb well before Cat is for many right. different reasons. Right. Yeah. And I, I this people don't always want to hear this.
1: I just do kind of ride with Carl because for the most part, and again to your point, these last couple of weeks have been really good, productive. Not a lot of you know the straight voltage, not a lot of complaining. And I just think for the most part, he does exactly what you want from a franchise guy. He's in the community. He's doing a lot of stuff. And I don't necessarily think it's like the worst thing in the world to make. maybe you're just you know not the one. In turn, in turn not gotta get rid of him. I, I think I'm very pro keeping him, but like you're maybe just mm-hmm. not a one on a championship team, like you're elite two or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this team doesn't have that. I mean, John Morant dude shows up at arenas and it's personal. Like I have no mm-hmm. idea what Madison Square Garden did to that man, but he showed up and just got a triple double and beat the Knicks kind of by himself.
0: It's primal, um, man. Like it's just yeah, he's it, he's like personally offended that the other team exists. <laughs>
1: And like I mean, to, not that he actually does this, but like he, it's almost like he would spit on you. Same with like one of Carl's friends, Devin Booker. Like Devin Booker takes things; he's not smiling when he plays. Mm-hmm. He takes it very personal. Um, you know, even like out here, Damian Lillard it's kind of the same way. They just no one has taken that baton yet. And I think Austin Rivers said it last night that there's just, you know, if Jaden's your tough guy, well, he doesn't talk, and Ant is continuously now. Again, there's a lot of negative DLO stuff we've talked about on here. We've talked about Carl, talked about Rudy. Ant is like the guy we hold up as the future. And I believe that in my heart. But also, how many more times are you just not going to show up for the beginning of games? You can't Mm -hmm. be lumped into the same category. You can't be the fifth player on Bill Simmons' trade value list if you're just going to like coast multiple times through these games. You're the best. He was the best player, Anthony Edwards, talent wise, in that Hornets game. And he just didn't make much of an impact, especially in that second half when it's like, okay, guys, we're blown a lead. We need you. So yeah. until, like you said, until someone steps up and takes the mantle that is like, I play a lot. So I'm going to speak a lot and I'm going to fill that void. It's going to be Torian Prince and Austin rivers trying to give some kind of jolts to this team system. So I don't, I know this has been kind of down. But like I, I look at the schedule. I look at it coming up. I still see a lot. I think that so 15 games in December, the next time you and I record 15 games in December, only three of those are against top four teams in the East or the West. They have a very good slate now of other – the Timberwolves are going to play the Timberwolves basically all of December. Teams that, like the Dallas Mavericks that are trying to blow it up. All these teams that are going through the same stuff. Can you navigate these waters and kind of start to build a hierarchy, kind of start to build, as we talked about at the beginning, like what are you known for? What is, what is our thing? Because as – through 20 games, the Timberwolves don't have a thing. They have no identity. They're just yes. a blank palette.
0: Yeah, well, uh, so many good segues here. You and I were we were kind of texting about this when the Wolves played the Heat like a week ago yes, or a week, yo, whenever yes, it was. I like this, and there was I think I can't remember if it got brought up on the broadcast or if you know what it was. I think I think I just texted you. Yeah, you just texted me the article. The, the Heat, yeah, the Heat were the Heat were just playing like backups and G League guys in that game, mm-hmm. and we're still fighting. They were just engaged and they were, it was feisty and they were competitive and, you know, they didn't have Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, and there's a couple other guys were hurt and they just, every year they just have these random dudes that kind of pop pop up like second round picks or guys that Mm -hmm. weren't drafted and they're just constantly like churning out. It feels like overachieving players and, and maybe even like going deeper in the playoffs than they should. So I Googled, uh, what is heat culture? (laughs) Because I, I was curious, I, I was curious, has anyone ever, people talk about heat culture. Right. And I was curious, has anyone actually defined what heat culture is? And if so, what can the Wolves learn from what the Heat have been building for under Pat Riley and mm-hmm. Eric Spolstra for 20 years or whatever it's been? And I found this Q&A with Udonis Haslam. Is he still, by the way, an active player technically? Because he was last year.
1: Define active. Like,
0: like, he, like he's a, like a paid player, right? Yeah, he's, oh, not yeah, a... yeah.
1: he's I think he's on I don't. the 21st year with the team. He's on pretty much a veteran minimum. <laughs> just... But yes, in, in terms of active, he wears a uniform on the bench. He... Um, and he's kind of maybe an enforcer in a weird spot. But yeah, he's basically just a guy that gets paid to talk to the, his teammates for 48 minutes on the bench.
0: He's and the chairman cool. of heat culture, basically. Yeah, exactly. He's like yeah. the executive yeah. vice president of heat culture. Correct. And, he, and he still has a uniform. Yep. But he never really plays. So the, so the GQ author asks, what is heat culture? As someone who's the architect of it, how would you explain what heat culture is? And he says, it's a lifestyle, bro. You can't just tap in when the season starts and tap back out when it's over. That's how your ass gets hurt next year in training camp. You pretty much have to stay in shape year-round. Heat culture is discipline, accountability, work ethic and enjoying somebody else's success. So discipline, accountability, work ethic, and enjoying somebody else's success. Those are I all guess great ch-
1: buzzwords that when you said them, really, truly, as a fan and as a diehard follower and covering this team, none of those words really made me think Minnesota Timberwolves.
0: That was my question. So what? how would you apply the checklist of those four words to the Timberwolves? And what would you th- what would you say is wolves culture right now what are some words to describe wolves culture
1: you know th- to kind of spin it it's like what do you think teams think when they show up at shoot around in the morning and they're probably hung over or tired from playing video games what do they think when they see on the schedule okay tonight we play Minnesota whether it be in target center or on the road or like you know yeah. at, at their home like when the Nuggets are in town, it's like okay, everything's going to revolve around Jokic. Uh, they're going to cut, they're going to move, they're going to space the floor. The, the Heat culture thing, like Miami, is not very good this year. But like, they're going to play hard. They're going to bust, bust their butts for forty-eight. Yeah, minutes. it's
0: it's going to be forty-eight minutes of of just you, you grind. Might hard, yeah, it might be
1: you might get flagrant fouled. Like you, you might be in a fight in the third quarter. Um, <laughs> or, you know, even out here, like with Portland, it's like. You know, Dame's going to bring it when he's on the court um, and everyone's going to try hard because that guy's giving it his all. I have no idea. And that's coming from someone who, as people know, is like pretty optimistic. I don't I've always thought that in the back of my mind is like, what do people think when they see the Wolves on the roster or on the schedule? And I do think like some of the younger guys, you saw this in the Charlotte game. Uh, they had this kid named Book Knight, and he just took a couple heat checks from like the middle of North Carolina. Um, because he was just feeling himself. I, I, they look at him like, Hey, you know what? We could probably get one tonight. Like, I bet you, if we almost like when they see the wolves on the schedule, they get more motivated because if we can, we can get a win tonight. Like we know they're yeah. going to punch them in the face. And that's what was cool about the Pacers game. And you, you said this, the Pacers punched the wolves in the face, like three or four times in that game. And the wolves punched right back. Mm-hmm. Pacers eight Oh run wolves, ten zero run. Like that. That's what was like, Oh my God, they can do this. And then the Hornets punched him in the face and they just laid right down in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. So I don't know. I don't know what the what the I guess, you know, glass half empty is like, I don't know, man. I don't think they have much of a uh, of a brand. Right. But on the plus side, someone could just take it like someone could be the there's 30 NBA teams. You could be the leader of an NBA team, right? Like any GM job, you'll take any GM job in any professional sport because there's only like one out of 30 of those. Someone could lead the wolves and be like, I'm the face of this. Hell, D'Angelo Russell could be the face of the Minnesota Timberwolves if he really exerted the effort to do so. So I don't know. I don't know. But I know it's there to be taken. And these next, you know, 10, 20 games in December are going to be the mantles there. And if someone wants to take it, that's how this team is going to be, you know, 22. And I don't know what they're going to be above 500 come the first of the year. And if someone just they want to keep passing around to each other, which is so weird because this team doesn't pass to each other when it matters. Um, then it's just going to be more of the same stuff. What what what's your reaction? Like, what's your thought when you think
0: of Timberwolves culture? I wrote four words down of what I of what <laughs> I think. Part of it's what I think of them right now. If you would have asked me after the Pacers game, my my opinion is fluctuating a little yeah, bit same, on the same. roller coaster here because we're trying to figure out what this thing is. But but if you were to ask me, based on my own thought and what I think other teams in the league would say. I landed on these four words or phrases. Lethargic, whiny, soft, and low basketball IQ. I think a lot of nights, yep, they're making dumb mistakes, just dumb like I saw our guy, Jalen Noel, I think it was against the Hornets the other night. When they're trying to come back, they've got some momentum, they're trying to come back. Okay, like they've cut it to whatever in the fourth quarter and here he comes barreling down and throws a behind the back pass in traffic in the lane to nobody. And it goes oh, sailing yeah. out of bounds. You yep. know, it's like, mm-hmm. dude, there's no need for that at all whatsoever. Or you'll see these times where, you know, I saw Gobert in that game, tallest guy on the floor by a child, Mm-hmm. you know the height of a child <laughs> that's a good and he tried to tap a rebound back out toward the perimeter instead of just grabbing yep. the rebound st- mm-hmm. like st- stuff like, like that it's like low basketball iq stuff um i think other veterans have called this team soft on the record so mm-hmm. that's already yeah. out there austin rivers basically uh, the, the word whiny kind of comes from what austin rivers said which is we got a bunch of dudes that'll miss a shot and like be in their feelings for three seconds while the action goes the other way. So whether it's kind of pouting at their own misfortune or referee making a bad call, there's just a lot of harumph on this team that should not exist. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we've, you and I are both both poker players going back. And I, 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 you have to have kind of a poker player mindset in professional Mm -hmm. sports, especially basketball, where you're going to, you're going to miss like 60% of your shots you're going to have X amount of bad calls from referees that are human trying to make subjective calls on contact. Mm -hmm. And so you can either harumph 15 times a game times X amount of players, or you can just deal with the variance that exists in basketball and just be a constant source of energy and relentlessness. The heat are that. The Warriors, when they want to be, you you know, when it's when February comes around, the Warriors are that. And then lethargic because it just looks sometimes like whether it's because they're actually slow or they just aren't feeling it on a possession by possession basis, they just look lethargic. So I guess those are the four words. So back
1: to the, yeah. So back to the idea of culture, um, because I know that people are listening to this thinking of one man and that man is Patrick Beverly. Um, I don't, you know, he did help set the culture. He does deserve to have his number in this franchise retired in the rafters because there's who else are you going to put up there? Um, Uh But it's still at the end of the day, like that was really only so much. Not, I don't want to call it smoke and mirrors cause it was real, but I mean, look at Pat Bev's, this Pat Bev's having a terrible season with the Lakers. He's not even playing and they're kind of winning games, but it does at the end of the day to be like culture, like within from the marketing department to the practice facility, to the caterers, like it's gotta be by the top people. It's gotta be led by that. You know, like I can show up to my job and be passionate and, energetic and professional, but I'm only a little cog. Patrick Beverly was a, did the best he could to be a little cog, but it still at the end of the day, comes down to these guys. Um, just bringing it, man. All those words are perfect. All those words are just, you know, like, I don't know. You just paint them on the wall of the practice facility. like, this is what we are. This is what teams think of us. And like you said,
0: wolves culture, haram.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, we should send those to Mark Lauren Blake. What do you think about this for the 23 marketing campaign? Lethargic, lazy, and again, other teams have called them soft. I mean, this team has called themselves soft at times. So that's a lot of negativity. Um,
0: and the- it's, it's, it's therapeutic, and, but yeah. And,
1: and, and if you listen to these episodes one after the other, like, yeah, it's this. We sound like a roller coaster, right? I, if they win that Hornets game, I would have been pretty bullish today still because that would have been six good games in a row. I mean, they have only had one other six game winning streak, I think, since 2004. Like in 18, 19 years, they've had two 60 and winning streak or they didn't one, I guess. Um, but yeah, I would have been optimistic had they beaten the Hornets because like, OK, then we're going to drop a game to a team that's just better than us. But now we'll we'll pivot again. But to lose that game and then come out at home again and just stink it up. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. And I know, you know, they're still we haven't really mentioned this, but like Torian Prince, Jordan McLaughlin. Now, Jane McDowell's like they're kind of banged up secretly. I know they have all their big names and stuff still active, but. I saw they recalled um this is my guy, so I had to drop this in. They brought up Josh Minot today. Yeah, let's rookie.
0: go. Let's um, go.
1: I hope I don't know what's gonna happen against the Wizards tonight when they play, but I hope they throw him into the mix because all those words you just said to describe the culture are not what Josh Minot does. Josh Minot has no idea what he's doing on the court, but he tries really hard and he plays <laughs> really aggressively and yeah. he's going to die for loose balls. And that might just be what you need. I mean, you do see that with these NBA teams sometimes, they just run into this rut. And they bring up, you know, I always think of the Pelicans with that Avarado guy, right? Who the hell yeah. is this guy? He's hiding behind like the stanchion to go get steals. Maybe that's what they need from one of these young guys. Just again, no one wants to lead this team. No one does. We've They've showed us that now. So let one of these younger guys just come in and throw himself his name into the ring.
0: Yeah. So let Luca Garza lead finally. Okay, please. He's been so, so good. Let him this, lead. This might become an Iowa Wolves pod by like middle of January. <laughs> He's, he's every night. He's like he's putting up these Jokic like numbers. Just all the assists, or isn't he averaging like a handful of assists too? Just like ridiculous. 28,
1: eight six blocks. I'm like, well, oh, that's a good. <laughs> that was a good November. It's like, no, that was against the Mad Ants. It's like, oh my god.
0: <laughs> uh, well, it is time for our weekly look at the playoff picture here on Flagrant <laughs> Howls. It's never too early to start looking at the playoff standings and where the Wolves sit. And the good news is they're still in the picture. They're clinging for life, but they are the 10 seed right now in the Western Conference. A couple of games ago, they were just a game and a half back of the one seed. The Suns have since created some distance there. Uh, so the Suns are 13 and six. They're the number one seed. The Nuggets are 12 and seven. And then you've got the, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Clippers, and the Kings in the top six, avoiding the play in. In your four play in teams from seven through 10 are the Blazers, the faltering Jazz, losers of four straight. Uh, course correcting there, the Warriors and the Timberwolves who are a half game up on the reeling Dallas Mavericks. So right now, I believe the Warriors and the Wolves would play each other in a play-in game oh God. if if the season ended today, your favorite phrase. All, all
1: jokes aside to try to inject a little optimism, the last time you and I recorded this and did this bit, the Utah Jazz, who traded away Rudy Gobert, were first in the Western Conference. They are now eighth. Um, I mean, everyone's starting to write about this on a national level. Like who wants to win the West? The West is so cluttered that if again, yes, the wolves are 10 and 10. Yes. We've just kind of berated them for 35 minutes at 12 and eight. They're the three seed So if you look at the schedule and you see, again, they just play the Timberwolves basically for the next 17 games, teams like the Timberwolves, there is an opportunity there to kind of like, okay, flush the bad start away, flush some of the drama flush Popeye's gate flush all this stuff. We can go. We can. It's not all lost. This isn't all bad. But can they do it? Do they yeah. want to do it? Do they have the people, the mentality to be like, okay, we can start fresh. We'll have a seance, um, and we'll just go out there and string some win- some wins together. So yeah, tenth in the West, but again, only two games back of like the three seeds. So it's there, man. But who wants to take it?
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that was therapeutic and hopefully it was a helpful exercise. If you guys are interested in creating what uh, you think are your four words for Timberwolves oh, culture, yeah. send us those four words in uh, either Twitter form at Kyle Tige or at Phil Mackey. Or you can hit us up in the YouTube comment section, click <laughs> subscribe and like Please spread do. the word about these wolves therapy sessions. <laughs> I
1: can't wait to see the mentions when it's just my mom doesn't even have Twitter, but she like searches me. And she'll, like, look at stuff, and I can't wait to. she's like, why are people sending you all these synonyms? It's like, don't worry about it. Just listen to the podcast. Just, yeah. Yeah, send us your four <laughs> words on how you would describe
0: Timberwolves culture. So, all right, we'll see what happens here uh, with the games this week against what Washington tonight, I think you said. Yep. yep. And uh, we'll hit you guys back later this week with another episode of your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagrant Howls.